Welcome to part two of episode six of the BAI Communication Smart Communities podcast, where we speak with business leaders and industry experts to ask them what the future holds for connectivity. In part two of this two-part episode, we rejoin the conversation with Dr. Amy Hocardle, Director for Global Business Growth at Connected Places Catapult, and Jamie Hayes, Managing Director Streetscape Fibre and Private Network at BAI Communications UK. Listen in as Amy and Jamie dive deeper into the relationship between connectivity and smart cities, including how innovation planning impacts digitalization of cities, which cities around the world are examples to follow, and the importance of collaboration in achieving a connected vision of the future. I spent six years in the States, four in the Middle East before going back here to London. So I've had the pleasure of seeing some parts of the world there. And I think, um, you know, in your work, you've seen a broader expanse than that. But the, the idea of empowering locations and regions to take their own decisions, I suppose, really in planning the core utilities. Obviously, people know waste, water, policing, hospitals, you know, healthcare. But it sounds like connectivity infrastructure is, is a model framework that's needed in all these places. Uh, is, that, is that kind of what you're uh, advocating as well? It is. Um, and we talk about cities in, in this broad sense, but really cities are made of city leadership. Um, and this is probably where, you know, I, I, I had the honor of doing my doctorate in global political economy at King's to understand what's happening in cities. But it was certainly my psychology degree that helped me figure out what's happening there. Uh, because this all comes down to leadership um, and what type of local leader it doesn't have to be the mayor. It doesn't have to be the, the council executive. It, it could be any of those. It could be the business leader. It could be a citizen leader. It comes down to leadership at a local level that can really drive this agenda forward, both the agenda of innovation more broadly and urban innovation and overcoming challenges, but also the agenda of how do we get our cities better connected. I understand. So again, perhaps against those pillars of a different planning environment. So the, I mean, these are 20, 40 year plans that are put out by these different areas, right? I guess it's tuning those, tuning those to each of the respective citizens and society's needs um, on there. I guess my follow-on question would be just, and, and switching gears a little bit, you talked about digitization, you, you brought up the concept of a, a smart city and digital twin. Um, that has been seen as very innovative, but I think, you know, is really becoming part of a mainstream or a requirement now for a lot of authorities. So there's a lot of broader innovation change in the ICT sector that um, I think must be helping the deployment of connected technologies. Is that what you're seeing as well? I think it's really an interesting question because we have to understand what are the what are the challenges we're facing? I keep, I, I always keep going back to, to Cedric Price. Oh, yes. what's, what's the question we're trying to answer? <laughs> and then I can, then I can say, well, yes, you know, the digitization um, aspect of this is, is critical, or the connectivity aspect of this is critical. But we have to come back to what's the challenge we're trying to solve. Um, otherwise, we we're, we are going to fall into the trap of. Um, using the buzzwords and, and talking about connectivity and digitization and, and the amazing benefits of, of more Gs, um, but we'll forget the real impact this is meant to have uh, in cities. So I, I think what cities need to do is to adopt a new business model, really, when, when, when you're thinking about this. Uh, the business model of how we run cities traditionally doesn't facilitate the types of things that you're talking about. This kind of broad coalition of people that can solve a problem. The city is set up to 
we have a need, we put out a tender, we ask for quotes, and we get somebody to solve our problem. Um, you can see this even in innovation. This is where innovation and digitization, um, in, in my opinion, is not thinking about the question we're asking. So when you take uh, cities, for example, that say uh, we have a very serious parking problem uh, and what we really need is, is better uh, digitization so that we can have a smart city app, so that we can track all of our parking spaces across the city and regroup people and redirect them and then we can determine if we need more parking spots and that's what we really need. And that's missing that long-term horizon that you're talking about, that planning for 10 or 20 years in the future. Do we need an app that helps us find a better parking spot or do we need to rethink the future of mobility in our city? So those are the juxtaposition of, of the types of questions that we should be asking. We don't have a parking problem. We have a future of mobility problem, uh, a healthcare problem, a wellness problem um, that we can use innovation and connectivity to address. And so I think we really need to change the way we're thinking about these, these challenges. I, I love the example of, of Cedric Price, the practical, practical man there on, on the shoulder, always going back to the, the problem we're trying to solve. Um, and, and not just adding another G, not just making a kind of leapfrog, you know, once every decade kind of, kind of generational change for the, for the sake of because we can, because the standards are there. Um, I mean, I've been lucky enough to hear about recently some, some you know, quite innovative work in parking, uh, low railway and IoT kind of deployment here in London. But actually the simple use case was to check where flood water was coming up, you know, in that particular borough. And in fact, you know, the, the, the borough leader was telling me that two lives have been saved since deployment in because it, we're, they were able to detect, you know, when dangerous conditions were happening in that particular area. So, you know, I'm stumbling on these kind of examples and finding them. Um, you know, I wonder with the spirit of Cedric there, uh, a practical man, kind of what, what other cities around the world are, are casting a, a, sh a great shadow, you know, uh, to follow a, a good example and best practice? Maybe you could give a couple of examples of what you feel makes them world-leading. I'm going to, again, stop myself from giving top 10 cities, <laughs> as I won't give top 10 apps, uh, because I think that every city, uh, I think the real, the real question here is, what are cities trying to accomplish? So what we're trying to accomplish is going to be different in London than what cities in India are trying to accomplish, than what cities in the Middle East are trying to accomplish, or Africa. So uh, rather than ranking cities, I think we need to look all over the place and pick little things that cities are doing. Because this is not about who's creating the best digitized city. This is about who are testing things, who are slowly advancing um, the solutions to these urban challenges. So you can't brush it with a broad stroke. You have to look around, and you can certainly give examples of cities. Dubai is testing a lot of things. They put things out there, they test it. Uh, and this goes back to these things may or may not work. Cities that allow things to fail uh, and then test something new it is quite important. So you can see Dubai testing lots of digitization. You can see them testing lots of traffic applications, flying taxis. I mean, this is all a big test bed. Uh, you see the same thing happening in Singapore. Lots of different types of testing going on around digitization, uh, innovation, services, uh, infrastructure solutions, things like interactive street furniture. You can find equally um, amazing examples across places like Sao Paulo. 
in, in Latin America and Brazil, uh, where they're testing uh, cutting-edge applications in um, the bus rapid transit system and, and improving those services. So it's not about saying, what, give us a city. You know, we want, and I, I understand that desire. We want to see who's doing it, and we want to say, well, you know, we want to copy that. So the aspect of collaboration uh, is critical. And this is why I think the age of cities is also really interesting, because cities can collaborate on these issues far better than national governments. It literally takes, you know, a, 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 an active government to share things with another country. But cities are free to connect with each other uh, in cohorts on issues all around the world. And we see uh, groups of mayors and, and organizations like C40 uh, pulling cities together, um, ICLE addressing climate change. Uh, the UN is doing a lot of gathering of cities and cohorts around development issues. And I think that's what's most important, that cities begin to join these cohorts, think about things in the more collaborative sense rather than the competitive uh, kind of tender sense uh, of procuring things and start sharing, sharing these solutions, sharing what worked, sharing what didn't work. Um, the challenges we are facing, we all know this, the challenges are global. Uh, the pandemic is global. Climate change is global. Uh, and so, you know, we're all in the same boat. <laughs> and unless cities start to um, collaborate, test, and enable that type of environment where innovation can flourish, uh, we won't make the advances we need. And in that sense, you can't rank cities. Uh, and you can't pick who's doing what best because it's about creating the best testing environment. Interesting you picked up Dubai, Singapore, Sao Paulo, testbed and collaboration kind of examples. And, and you picked up kind of the from a UN perspective, I'm very um, keen and, and kind of supportive around some of the challenges being overcome. You know, the sustainable development goals that the UN has set out where individuals, states, cities, countries even have kind of pledged behind those. Um, these bring to life kind of the real challenges, I suppose, that in this age of cities we're all facing, we are all in the same boat. You know, I'm sure you've come across those kind of goals. You, you refer to climate change, you know, but there's many more in there as well. Uh, many simple challenges that still exist in terms of poverty and inequality and wealth distribution. You know, here's the big question that I kind of wanted to, to, to bring, you know, here. So we're into it now. How do we best collaborate in these test beds to start to overcome these challenges facing us? Some of these inequalities are really, um, really significant, uh, and some of these challenges are around gender gap, the uh, poverty gap. You know, th these are really serious uh, and big challenges. Um, there's another. I I'm not quite prone to quotes, but I've got another great one, <laughs> which is William Gibson, who said, "The future is already here; it's just unevenly distributed." Uh, and so, you know, we have the technology, we have the innovation. Uh, but it's not reaching some of those that need it the most. Um, I think the example of Sunderland is a fantastic one. Uh, and I think it's great because what it shows is Sunderland is not one of the mega cities. Uh, it, you know, it's a secondary city. It's a fantastic city here in the UK. Um, and what it shows is that any city, if using the right approach, can start to tackle these issues. So it's that collaborative convening approach of all the stakeholders. So they've done a few things in Sunderland that I think are absolutely right. Uh, and that I think should be emulated in other cities around the world, making them locally contextual. Um, Sunderland has created a, a convening of all stakeholders, a collaborative approach to this. 
you know, they've gathered together academia, business, government, citizens. Um, you need to have buy-in across a large group of people if you're going to really uh, set that vision that, that Sunderland has, which I think is the second most important thing um, of that 10, 20-year vision. We're not trying to hit some KPIs in the next fiscal year. This is about improving our city, you know, in the long term um, for 20 years in the future. So they've convened the right people. Uh, they've set the right uh, timeline. Uh, and they've allowed for procurement processes that will enable innovation. So they didn't go out and say, we want to digitize. Uh, let's put out a tender and see who can digitize our city for us. What they did was go for a partner. The city is going to partner with someone. In this, in this case, it's BAI. And, and that's fantastic because BAI has the experience of how to create these partnerships. And another key component, which is more of an open and accessible platform. Uh, so it won't create a monopoly. It won't close the system. It will open the system. That then goes back to we've convened a group of people. That convening body now has access to that open system. So you can see how this is now a new business model for how cities can be run in the future, addressing those long-term goals. And that's why I think Sunderland um, is such a fantastic example of all of the different things we're talking about right here. Well, great. I mean, I'm glad that you you see that. And um, what I'm picking up from there, you know, I love a William Gibson quote. I actually studied William Gibson in my own uh, my own uh, university time, alongside the classics of literature as well. The sci-fi, I think, gives us a lot of models that are coming true, utopian and dystopian, perhaps as well, uh, on those from 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 a development perspective. We're still waiting on the, the the promised flying car, but I think Dubai is starting to work on that. So. So let me reflect on, on those themes, uh, Amy. We've, we've talked extensively here. I think you've, you've really succinctly and concisely answered my, my questions. And thank you for helping me learn, you know, the benefit of your experience there. Um, I love the William Gibson quotes, kind of uh, an uneven distribution of, of something that's already there. I think sci-fi, I actually studied sci-fi alongside philosophy in, in my, de my degree. And, you know, the dystopian and the utopian worlds you know, are there as models for sure, uh, which one we embrace, I think will be something we all work towards. But um, I think what you're pointing towards in your answers is very much about leadership, actually. It's about buy-in, it's opening up access and collaboration. So if I pick the themes out correctly, that, that would be great to hear. But I wondered if there's anything else you wanted to add in that kind of that magic mix there. I think that um, what's really interesting about the times we're living in right now is that science fiction and, and fiction are becoming quite, uh, they're converging, which I think is, is quite an interesting time to be a part of and to try to help facilitate that. So I, I think what, that what you and I get to do every day is one of the most exciting things in the world. Um, so I think that for cities, when, when I think about cities, um, there's a few key things that have especially been reinforced during um, the global pandemic, but the need for, in a broader sense, cities to be agile, uh, to be able to turn, change tact, try something different. I think agility is going to be absolutely key um, moving forward. Um, I also think that being open to testing uh, is going to be really important. So sometimes there's we talk a lot about in business, um, what's the level of risk involved? Uh, and if we constantly use that measure, uh, we're not going to be able to test the solutions uh, that we need to test. So we need to create a, a test bed environment. 
I think the other thing we need to make sure we're paying attention to, um, something we haven't we've touched on here and there, but the critical importance around net zero, uh, and we learned this uh, really critical uh, um, you know, example during the global pandemic, around the impact that digitization can have on enabling cities and places to move closer to net zero. Uh, we found that digitization and innovation in practice, the art of the possible, uh, can make significant changes in the way that we're living, the way that we're moving around cities, the way that we're playing in cities. And we can do that and still uh, help achieve a decrease in carbon emissions. And that's absolutely critical uh, for the health of everyone. I know you as a dad, things like when you're walking to school, you know, do, is this street safe for us to breathe in? Uh, you know, are my children getting an, an unhealthy amount of, of carbon dioxide? These are very serious issues and they're very practical. They're right outside your front door. Um, and sometimes we need to you know, make sure that we're making the connection that digitization, that connectivity, and that innovation can be a, a solution to enable some of these big changes that don't necessarily seem right away like they're connected to digitization, but what we've seen with the global pandemic is that they are, uh, and that it can be a big part of the solution. Uh, so I think it's critical that we think about test beds, agility, uh, and always keep the concept of net zero at the forefront when we're thinking about enabling these changes in cities. Well, thank you, Amy, and I appreciate that. Having just done the school run, I'm an asthmatic too, and the air quality is definitely something I, I worry about for me and my kids. Um, but I think that's a great way to wrap up our Smart Communities podcast today here at BAI. And just on behalf of the team, thank you so much to you and to the Connected Places Catapult for all you're doing with us together. It's absolute pleasure to be here, Jamie. Uh, thanks so much for having me, and I look forward to working with you in the future.